In Branham v. Horaeus Electronite LLC, 2023 ARC App 391, the Arkansas Court of Appeals considered a multi-party case where plaintiff and passenger were struck by a tractor-trailer rig and lost all memory. They had an expert who downloaded crash data. There were several defendants, as others also had crashed before they were hit, and there were competing motions for summary judgment, which the trial court granted. Judge Gladwin reversed in part and explained, quote, Hall and Branham responded that there were material facts in dispute to suggest that Henshaw failed to properly respond to roadway conditions, and as a re- direct result, she negligently rear-ended the rear of Hall's Jeep with the front of her tractor-trailer. Hall and Branham also claimed that they raised material facts to refute the self-serving testimony of Henshaw as to how the subject wreck occurred based on the sworn statement of accident reconstructionist Terry Reynolds. Further, even without the expert testimony of Terry Reynolds, Hall and Branham have raised genuine issues of material fact as to whether Joy Henshaw, as a professional truck driver, failed to follow her training and violated various statutes of the state of Arkansas and safety codes of the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. Hall and Branham attached Terry Reynolds' affidavit to their response. Reynolds averred that he based his testimony on his review of the police report of the accident, the depositions, and certain photographs. He also reviewed data that he downloaded from the Jeep's version of a black box and explained inspected and photographed the 2015 Jeep and inspected the 2009 Volvo tractor-trailer operated by Henshaw. Reynolds declared that from his investigation, the front of the Volvo tractor struck the entire rear of the Jeep in the center eastbound lane on the bridge. End of quote. The trial court granted summary judgment to Henshaw, whose tractor-trailer struck plaintiff. Henshaw testified in deposition that plaintiff's vehicle struck her and then pulled in front of her, and she hit plaintiff's vehicle. In reasoning there were disputed material facts, the appellate court reversed, but first addressed timeliness of plaintiff's affidavit. Timeliness and consideration of plaintiff's expert's affidavit. Quote, Davis and IPP and Henshaw and Landstar, collectively the appellees in this part of the discussion, both suggest that Terry Reynolds's affidavits were not competent evidence because Hall and Branham failed to submit them in compliance with Rule 56 of the Arkansas Rules of Civil Procedure. As this issue bears on whether Reynolds's testimony creates a genuine issue of material fact regarding the liability of those parties, which we address in the sections that follow, we will discuss their argument as a preliminary matter here. The procedural history of the appellee's challenges to Mr. Reynolds' affidavits is as follows. Hall and Branham filed their response to Henshaw and Landstar's motion for summary judgment on March 16, 2020. As we indicate above, Reynolds' initial affidavit was attached to the response. Henshaw and Landstar filed a reply in which they argued, among other things, that Reynolds' affidavit must be stricken under Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 56E, which provides that supporting affidavits shall show affirmatively that the affiant is competent to testify to the matter stated therein, and sworn or certified copies of all papers or parts thereof referred to in the affidavit shall be attached thereto or served therewith. 
Henshaw and Landstar urged the court not to consider Reynolds' initial affidavit because it failed to demonstrate that he was competent to testify, and the ACM data, which he used to form his opinions, was not attached to Hall and Branham's summary judgment response or served therewith. They likewise argued that Reynolds' testimony should be excluded because his opinions were not the product of reliable methodology. Hall and Branham filed a SIR reply in which they argued that Reynolds's curriculum vitae and the ACM data were filed with the court and served on Landstar and Henshaw, as well as the other appellees, contemporaneously with their summary judgment response. While not attached to the summary judgment response itself, those items were attached as exhibits to Hall and Branham's amended answers to interrogatories and requests for production, which they filed with the circuit court and served on the appellees on March 16, 2020. Even so, and out of an abundance of caution, Hall and Branham attached a supplemental affidavit from Reynolds in which he set forth his qualifications to testify as an expert in accident reconstruction and certified the copies of the ACM data that he downloaded. Reynolds's Congriculum Vitae, as well as the ACM data, was attached as exhibits to the supplemental affidavit. First, invoking Rule 56E, they assert that the circuit court should not have considered Reynolds's initial affidavit because his qualifications and the ACM data were not attached or served with Hall and Branham's summary judgment response. They also claimed that the supplemental affidavit and exhibits attached to the SIR reply did not cure these deficiencies because they were not submitted in a timely manner according to Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 56C, which provides in part that no party shall submit supplemental supporting materials after the time for serving a reply unless the court orders otherwise. We disagree. The appellees do not dispute that Hall and Branham served them with Reynolds's curriculum vitae and the ACM data on March 16, 2020, when they also filed their response to Landstar and Henshaw's summary judgment motion and Reynolds's initial affidavit. While those items were not attached to the response itself, we find that their contemporaneous service on all parties and filing with the circuit court nonetheless qualified as served therewith for purposes of Rule 56E. We also hold that Reynolds's supplemental affidavit, to which his curriculum vitae and the ACM data were also attached, was not untimely under Rule 56C. While the circuit court did not enter an order express, expressly permitting Hall and Branham's sur reply, it is clear that the circuit court considered those items in its final order. In our view, the circuit court's consideration of the supplemental items is tantamount to ordering otherwise for purposes of Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 56C. End of quote. Whether factual questions existed in Henshaw's liability. The appeals court reversed summary judgment granted to Henshaw. There were disputed facts indicated by plaintiff's expert and from the defendant's testimony. Quote, Hall and Branham further contend that the circuit court erred when it granted Henshaw and Landstar's motion for summary judgment. They argue that the circuit court erred when it ruled that Henshaw's conduct was not the proximate cause of the collision between the Jeep and the Landstar tractor-trailer. They contend that the circuit court improperly assumed the role of fact-finder, causing it to disregard several disputed facts between Henshaw's account of the collision and Reynolds' expert testimony. We agree. 
Therefore, we reverse the circuit court's order granting summary judgment to Henshaw. Henshaw testified that she was driving the Landstar truck at a speed of 53 miles an hour in lane 2 of the I-40 bridge. Henshaw maintained that speed until she saw the accident vehicles in lane 1, about 100 feet away. She explained that there was debris up ahead and traffic had slowed, but she did not apply her brakes because she was following her training and was just going to try and get through the situation. Henshaw further testified that shortly thereafter, Hall's Jeep appeared as a red streak as it passed the Landstar tractor-trailer in lane 1. Henshaw claimed that Hall hit her truck first as she attempted to change from lane 1 to lane 2 and then slammed the brakes in front of Henshaw's truck. Henshaw more specifically testified that the passenger side of Hall's Jeep impacted the tractor-trailer's left front side as Hall changed lanes, and in doing so, struck the tire or the entire bumper and flattened one of the truck's tires. She also said that she applied the truck's brakes after that first impact, whereupon Hall, now in lane two in front of the Landstar truck, also applied her brakes. Henshaw's truck then impacted the rear of Hall's Jeep, but Henshaw insisted that the impact was not straight in the rear. Rather, Henshaw claimed that her truck hit the Jeep left in the rear. Reynolds's testimony, which was based on his physical inspection of Hall's Jeep and the Volvo tractor trailer, as well as his analysis of the ACM data, sharply conflicts with Henshaw's version of the collision. Reynolds testified that there was no damage or transfer evidence on the Jeep or the left front of the tractor-trailer that supported Henshaw's allegation that Hall's Jeep sideswiped Henshaw's truck as she changed lanes. The ACM data also did not indicate that there had been any side impact to Hall's Jeep, or that it had been traveling at a speed fast enough to appear as a red streak, as Henshaw claimed. In addition, the braking data recorded by the ACM contradicted Henshaw's testimony that Hall slammed on her brakes once she was in lane two in front of Henshaw. In our view, these disputed facts warrant remanding the case to the circuit court for a trial. End of quote. Liability of other defendants. The Court of Appeals affirmed summary judgment for other defendants who were involved in other collisions ahead because there was no showing of proximate cause to plaintiff's injuries. Liability of Miller, Horaeus, and L.M. General The Court of Appeals affirmed entry of summary judgment for these defendants. Quote, First, the evidence does not indicate a causal connection between Miller's or Franklin's alleged negligence and Hall's and Branham's injuries. Nothing in the proof below demonstrates that Franklin's alleged failure to activate her hazard signals or Miller's collision with Franklin contributed to Davis's collision with the white Acura or, by extension, to Hall's collision with Henshaw's tractor-trailer. Therefore, we affirm the circuit court's determination that the evidence did not warrant submitting the cases against Miller and Horaeus and L.M. General to a jury. To establish a prima facie case of negligence, the plaintiff must demonstrate that the defendant breached a standard of care, that damages were sustained, and that the defendant's actions were the proximate cause of those damages. Barnett v. Cleghorn, 2017, ARC App 641 at 6. Proximate cause is defined as that which in a natural and continuous sequence, unbroken by any efficient intervening cause, produces the injury, and without which the result would not have occurred. 
Proximate causation is usually an issue for the jury to decide, and when there is evidence to establish a causal connection between the negligence of the defendant and the damage, it is proper for the case to go to the jury. Proximate causation becomes a question of law only if reasonable minds could not differ. As set forth above, the deposition testimony established that Franklin's Mustang stalled in lane one on the bridge, and after approximately 10 cars successfully moved to lane two to bypass the stalled vehicle, Miller, who failed to see the Mustang in time for a successful lane change, rear-ended Franklin's vehicle on the right passenger side. Miller stopped his pickup truck for a period of time after the collision, and then, according to Miller, he moved to lane one and parked the truck in front of Franklin's Mustang. While there is indeed conflicting testimony regarding whether Franklin activated her hazard signals and the length of time that Miller's pickup truck remained in lane two after the collision, neither conflict is material to the issue of whether there is a causal link between Miller and Franklin's collision and Davis's collision with the white Acura, and in turn the later collision between Hall and Henshaw. It is undisputed that it was a large tractor-trailer traveling in lane one in front of the white Acura and Davis, and not Franklin's alleged failure to activate her hazard lights that obscured their view of the obstruction in lane one. There was also no dispute that the tractor-trailer that was in lane one successfully moved to lane two and proceeded over the bridge, and when it did so, only Franklin's stall Mustang came into view. Indeed, as set forth above, Davis testified that there was a big black truck blocking the view of the damaged Ford Mustang, and the truck ended up getting over to avoid hitting the black Mustang and kept going on. Liability of Davis and IPP Neither Hall nor Branham had any memory of the accidents that occurred in Lane 1 or the circumstances of their collision with Henshaw. They could not testify, in other words, that Hall changed lanes to avoid a collision with Davis after he rear-ended the white Acura. The evidence they offered, in fact, indicated that they could have safely come to a stop behind Davis. Hall and Branham's expert, Terry Reynolds, testified that data from the Jeep's black box indicated that in the five seconds that preceded the Jeep's collision with Henshaw's tractor trailer, Hall had slowed to approximately 7 miles an hour and then accelerated to 11 miles an hour as she steered gradually to the right toward lane 2. Accordingly, because we agree that Branham and Hall failed to offer evidence establishing a causal link between Davis's collision with the Acura and their collision with Henshaw, we affirm the circuit court's judgment in favor of Davis and IPP. End of quote. End of decision.